Moses did his work very faithfully as a shepherd of sheep and exercising that gift and that ability so well, God said, it's time to bring you before great men. And mm-hmm. he brought him before the greatest man in the world, right. which was Pharaoh. In like manner, that's a lesson for all of us. Yeah. We have gifts, man. God has blessed us with gifts. And as we exercise our gifts faithfully, even in the humblest of duties, mm-hmm. it's designed that ultimately it may bring us before great men. Mm-hmm. Not so they could see how great we are, right. but they could see how great God is. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. As a young Christian, today's guest was one of my biggest inspirations. I looked up to how plainly he spoke, how willing he was for the Lord to use him here, there, and everywhere, and how the messages God gave him seemed to be so biblical, so practical, and so personal. Thankfully, he now only lives five minutes down the road from me, and our community here is now being blessed by the Lord using him. To many, he will be an instantly recognizable name and face, but if not to you, then prepare to be blessed. An ordained elder, director of his own multifaceted ministry, and a global evangelist, I'm glad to welcome Brother Dwayne Lemon to the show. Our character for today's episode is no stranger to public ministry either. Tasked with shepherding over a million people and undertaking a mass exodus from one great nation to a land of promise, Moses was well acquainted with the Lord's work as well as immense stress and unimaginable pressure. Yet throughout this, he remained connected to God, strong, bold, and fearless. It's easy to take these great heroes of our faith and elevate them to superhuman status. But as we're about to see, even the meekest man in the earth is just a man after all. He became Pharaoh's daughter's son. Mm -hmm. So Moses is now engrafted into royalty. Right. You know, so when we think about the upbringing of Moses, of which the scripture is fairly silent on it, it doesn't give a whole lot of detail, but it gives us enough. Mm -hmm. We know for sure that Moses grew up, you know, in royalty. He grew up learning everything that the royal children had the privilege of learning. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. from, you know, basic learning to culture, ultimately trying to introduce religion. And the list goes on. But of course, we also see here that God is so good that Moses finds himself back into the hands, quite honestly, of his own mother. So now he's able to learn the ways of God while, of course, learning a lot of these heathenistic things as well. Right. But I just thought to myself, you know, when I think about Moses as far as, you know, a character in the Bibles, particularly in the Old Testament, Uh that I can truly have a great appreciation for the things I see demonstrated in his life and how it impacts me. Mm -hmm. It's how Moses grew up more than likely in an environment that absolutely fueled pride on every level because it's hard to be humble in a royal atmosphere that at least that's the thought of the common person you know you got servants you have people you know doing all this stuff for you hand and foot so more than likely there's something in your head that can cause you to think a little bit more about yourself than you should and how how confusing it might have been as well yeah to have both sides kind of 
be playing into who he was going to become. You know, exactly. Growing up in in Egypt, but mm -hmm. with a Hebrew mother. Yep. And eventually being in Pharaoh's house, but still having those Hebrew links. You That's can imagine right. that almost almost as if having two di two parents of two different faiths mm -hmm. and how one would be pulling you over the other and slowly you'd become a little bit a little bit more like that and you have to imagine given that Egypt was the greatest nation of this time mm -hmm. that naturally he kind of became pretty Egyptian oh yeah quite indeed and mm -hmm. so this is why you know in my mind I'm looking at Moses like chances are in his upbringing that you know spirit of pride and all these things are probably there mm -hmm. more right. than likely yeah. you know and here it is that one day you know Moses gets to a point where the spirit of God I'm sure foundationally mm -hmm. is touching his heart yeah but we also know that he had Hebrew upbringing through his mother that now he's one day seeing mm -hmm. soldiers oppressing yeah. his brothers and as he sees that there's this rising up this indignation in the heart mm -hmm. and of course he acts out Right. And then he, you know, kills this man. And now he knows like, okay, according to Egyptian law, for me to have done this, this, even though I'm in royalty, this is going to be a threat to even my own life. Right. And so now Moses has to find himself on the run. And we see then in, in him, even though you've got to imagine his, his desires were good. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, don't, why, why are you punishing them like this? Sure. You know, he steps in. Um, and and there is that aspect of this deliverer, you mm -hmm. know. And I think this is how the the Hebrews naturally would have would have seen in their mind's eye mm -hmm. how the deliverer takes center stage. That being physically, yeah. you know, in the same way that the Jews looked to Christ as someone that was going to take the physical throne. Mm -hmm. So you've got this royal man that's now stepping up and bearing arms. Yeah. Um, but what we do see with Moses is this this temper yeah you know this kind of indignation that maybe lives within that mm -hmm. that comes out i mean he kills a man yeah you know and even then that wasn't acceptable right but that that is part of at least at, at this point that's who he is yeah that's who he is and you know now he's on the run so you know one minute you're you know the the the, the son of the king's daughter your royalty right. and now you're a fugitive. You know, you're, you're making yeah. a run yeah. and you're running for your dear life because, you know, no matter what my relation is, you know, more than likely I'm going to suffer some pretty serious mm -hmm. judgment for mm -hmm. this, of which he obviously didn't want to suffer. Right. And so now Moses finds himself in a situation where, you know, already what he once had is starting to fade. Mm -hmm. And as it's starting to fade, you know, God in mercy, you know, allows him to run into a family, ultimately, right. yeah. you know, meeting who was going to be his bride, uh -huh. you know, Zipporah, and of course, Jethro. And now Moses has gone from, you know, the man of royalty, the man of prestige, the man of honor, and now he finds himself a shepherd right? watching sheep. And what a fall that is. Yeah. I don't think we give that enough credit. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we really um, spend enough time thinking about what it is Moses left behind mm -hmm. because you know was pe people will come into the church and they're like oh I've forsaken the world right right and I've and I've joined myself to Christ and it's like oh praise the Lord yep but how much of the world did you forsake that's right you know like how much did you actually have to give up for some of us maybe it's a job mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's a specific uh, habit or a lifestyle even mm -hmm. Moses gave up Egypt 
That's right. You know, like Egypt is 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 the biggest nation in the world. Mm-hmm. It's not just what we see. It's not just pyramids and sand. Mm-hmm. You know, and a nice little river running through. We're talking yeah. about the most prosperous nation. That's We're talking right. about Moses, eventually holding like the ultimate position in this kingdom, the ruler of the world at that point. Mm-hmm. And when you when you look into all of that and say, okay, now that's what he gave up. Yeah. When he joined himself to God. That's right. That that gives a little bit more emphasis than oh yeah you know I used to, I used to you know sell alcohol at work but when I became a Christian I thought I couldn't do that and <laughs> I've sacrificed for the Lord. Yeah, and Moses and, gave know, up his life. I mean we have to. This is the degree of real talk that I think the the body of Christianity really needs to consider. Mm-hmm. We always think about you know Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature right. or a new creation. And the old things are passed away. Mm-hmm. Behold, all things become new. For a lot of us, we kind of almost baptize our old habits, right? Mm. You know, we, we we were in the world and then we come to Jesus and it's we still continue a lot of the stuff from the world. Right. We just do it in the name of Jesus. Right. You know, so the real question is, how much did we really sacrifice? Yeah. How much of the old things have passed away? Mm-hmm. In comparison to Moses... The old things really are passed They're away. Gone. It's yeah. gone. It's yeah. dead. So th- this paradigm shift that he has to go through mentally, mm-hmm. you know, we often think of the physical exertion, running away, uh, not being able to. I mean, for him to get a bath was probably a lot more tedious now mm-hmm. in comparison to being in a palace where you could have servants that bathe you. Right. You know, so wow. even the most practical things of life, he has to deal with that. You know, physical change, how he bathes, how he eats, what he eats, where he even finds it. Exactly. But then on top of all of that, it's the mental war, Mm. you know, and that's probably the biggest transition is this mental war of going from a high place now to a low place from having servants. And now you're serving not even people, you're serving animals. Right. And when when we're in (laughs) Exodus chapter three, yeah, it says that he led the flock like to the backside of the desert. Right. (laughs) So like, he's not just like, you know, just outside the house, like, come on in sheep, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out there by himself in solitude. And whilst in one sense, it's like, okay, how incredibly humbling. Mm -hmm. You have to imagine that sometimes when when we are used to the palaces, Mm -hmm. when we're used to the the gold standard of worldly living, that oftentimes God has to bring us to the back parts of the desert. That's right. To, for us to actually be able to hear him. That's right. Absolutely. And so, and I appreciate how before Moses enters Moses enters into this uh, shepherd lifestyle, mm-hmm. he gets a call from God. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets a call from God. God is letting him know, like, listen, or not so much before, but just in the midst of his shepherd right. lifestyle. Yeah. He's he's getting this call from God. And you know, I always think about there's a there's a saying that you'll often hear, God is an on-time God. Mm. And I can see that here in this story of Moses because Moses is working with these animals. And here now, God is on time and saying, you've, you've had somewhat of a shepherd experience, but I need you to understand more clearly now what all of this really means. Right. I want you to see that I'm actually calling you to shepherd my people. Mm. And now I'm going to send you to go ahead and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. For him to accept that calling. Yeah. You know, because I'm running away. Now you're telling me to go back. Mm. So again, there's a mental war on many, many levels with this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like one minute, it's like there's a mental war just running away. Then there's another mental war of the new lifestyle, the new mm-hmm. way of living mm-hmm. and the new work. Right. And then on top of that, now God is making a calling on your life 
of saying, now I need you to go back. Mm-hmm. Not only in the risk of the fact that they may remember what you did. Right, there's a death penalty <laughs> on your head. Yeah, you know, all that's there too. But how much the more you're probably going to undergo a death penalty because I'm actually telling you to tell the king of Egypt, let right. my people go. Yeah, It takes a tremendous amount of humility to do this principle of what Jesus right. talks about. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself mm. and take up his cross and follow me. Moses has to deny himself yeah. of more than likely everything he's feeling as a human being at this point and to say, thy will be done. And this is the very purpose of Moses' wilderness experience. In order to best set him up for his next position, God has to take him on a journey. And it's a long one. 40 whole years, a recurring number in Moses' story for sure. But don't miss this. God doesn't mind taking his time with us. We live in such a rapidly moving and changing world where everything is instant and at our fingertips and constantly available. But sometimes it's the slow lessons, the lessons that take half a lifetime to learn. Those are the ones that really change us, that define us, and that set us up for God using us the way that He deems fit. You know, I get to speak to this very forcefully because, Mm -hmm. you know, I often will help young people understand, like, listen, you know, if you if you're in a home where you have a father who prays with you Mm -hmm. or, you know, you have a mother who believes in having worship. I'm like, you guys have no idea how blessed you are. That's a crazy thought to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, I grew up all my life. Mm -hmm. We never had worship. We never prayed. My father never gave me. I remember one time there was a guy who, um, you know, I got in trouble in school and people were threatening my life. And, you know, this guy was calling my house and saying he's going to come by and shoot me. Wow. And so the next morning after I get this call, I'm scared. I'm a yeah. teenager. I'm hearing somebody's going to come to my house to shoot me. And my father comes to me and he did the best he could. He mm-hmm. came from a gangster background. Okay. So he just did the best he could. But dad came to me and he said, son, uh, you know, I got to go to work. But I know these guys are saying they're going to come to the house. So if they call back and say they are going to come to the house to shoot you, he says, here's what I want you to tell them. He says, tell them, come on by. And then he says, just remember, you're not bulletproof. And then he gives me a gun and he leaves it on the table and he says, use it if you have to. I got to go to work. And then he leaves me and I'm looking at a gun in front of my face as a teenager that's never shot a gun in my life. Uh And this, this was the best that I could get. That's your family worship. Yeah, You know, that's my family worship. (laughs) And, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, man, when you got a young person that has a father that can say, son, you know, let's look at what God has to say Mm. about this and direct you through scripture, pray with you. And so I'm like, man, you have no idea how blessed you are. None. And, you know, so again, it's just Moses, there had to be such a going from the high to low. Mm. Even Jesus, when he said to about the rich young ruler, you know, how hard it is for a rich man to get to the kingdom or how much harder there is for a prince you know to get into the kingdom when you are the head of a heathen nation you are right there with the riches and everything so again i think it speaks to this period of time that god had to work Mm. with moses to help get it but i marvel at how moses responds to it right you know this cooperative spirit you know evidently because moses is like this is probably it it's Mm. not like well in a period of time then god is going to say something i mean 
and he just accepts it like it is what it is mm -hmm. even though god had another plan yeah and he obviously did his job really good as a shepherd mm -hmm. because god was allowing that to be the teaching right so eventually he could lead his people and that reminds me of solomon when he says in proverbs 18 and verse 16 a man's gift will make room for him mm -hmm. and bring him before great men wow. moses did his work very faithfully as a shepherd of sheep and exercising that gift and that ability so well, God said, it's time to bring you before great men. Mm -hmm. We brought him before the greatest man in the world, right. which was Pharaoh. In like manner, that's a lesson for all of us. Yeah. We have gifts, man. God has blessed us with gifts. And as we exercise our gifts faithfully, even in the humblest of duties, mm -hmm. it's designed that ultimately it may bring us before great men. Mm -hmm. Not so they can see how great we are, right. but they can see how great God is. A testament the fact that Moses has actually learned this these lessons yep. is I think when when God shows up in that burning bush yeah. to speak to him mm -hmm. and even even that like that's a whole other thing about the humility of God mm -hmm. embracing the bush <laughs> yes but um this is the first time that God has spoken to anyone mm -hmm. in about 500 years yeah you know since deep. the time of Jacob deep like like we've had Joseph mm -hmm. And we've had, you know, the 12 tribes yep. from that point. Mm -hmm. And God was silent. And eventually we get, you know, almost 500 years later where, where God speaks to this murderer mm -hmm. who has now learnt these valuable lessons mm -hmm. of humility and of meekness to the point where God is once again willing to commune with humanity. Mm -hmm. And he accepts the task, mm. you know, as, as challenged. You said earlier, you know, Oh, but my speech or this, right. that, and God just, listen, who made man's mouth, right. you know? And, and then on top of that, he's like, and, and then on top of that, I'll help you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll let mm -hmm. you be like God. I'll let your brother be like the prophet. And, right. you know, God is, is literally assisting us. And, and I appreciate that yeah. is yeah. when we're, when we're in our battles and when we are suffering through timidity, Lord, I know you called me to do this, but I'm scared. I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. um, and we're consulting our inabilities rather than looking at God's ability you know, the Lord helps us, mm. you know, he meets us where we're at. And that's what he did. He said, right. look, okay, I'll, I'll help you with this. Even though God ultimately was going to elevate him to even greater things. Mm -hmm. And it just speaks again to, like you said, that stepping down, even of God, right. You know, um, I heard a preacher once say, God is an accommodationist. Mm. And I've never thought about that. No. I was like, he is an accommodationist. You know, the more I started looking through all the stories of the Bible, I was like, he, he has like this ideal uh -huh. and then man will give him a hard time <laughs> right. with it. And then God accommodates and says, okay, let's work it this way. Right. And well, then he works it this other yeah. way, ultimately to get us back up to the ideal uh -huh. that he set up in uh -huh. the first place. And that just speaks volumes to the character of God. But I'm thankful we could see this character of God played out in the life of Moses, right. particularly that humility and that meekness. Right. And this is the thing I marvel at with Moses. And it comes to a front when, you know, post Egypt. Yeah. He's now got like a million sheep, you know, wandering the desert yep. that he's trying to keep track of. Yep. And pastor and shepherd. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that takes a special kind of man. It does. In fact, we once again see that humility and that meekness of Moses because Moses, you know, he could have just said, all right, I'm the appointed leader. And, and people do this. Yeah. You know, once God communicates, you're the appointed leader, right? Moses is it's very clear you are the appointed leader. Now Moses sees all these sheep. 
Moses easily could have said, well, uh, I'm somewhat back to my exalted position. Mm. You know, I, I have all these people wow. that I'm going to oversee. And then here comes his father-in-law mm. saying, uh, son, if you lead this way, this is what's ultimately going to happen. Let me right. introduce to you a better way. He could have easily checked his father and been like, uh, dad, did God uh, talk to you through a burning brush? You know, I mean, because he talked to me. You know, he could have adopted that attitude if he wants. But what do you see once again? You mm. see this humble mindset of Moses that's he's willing to listen, even though he's an exalted leader once again over all these people. And he says, what do you have to say? And mm. then as Jethro is, you know, educating him, uh, I think it's Exodus 18. Mm-hmm. And then here it is that as Jethro's educating him, he's just receiving it, yeah. you know. And taking you, notes. You know, taking notes and just... You know what? Yeah, that makes sense. And that tells me that Moses was a very, very meek man. And he was able to not near, not merely hear men, but somehow his mind was trained to hear the voice of God through men. And he was able to say, you know what? That's God's counsel right now. I'm going to receive that. And he was just once again humbling himself before God's counsel, even through the instructions of his father-in-law. I, I just think that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Again, as I'm looking carefully at this man's life, and how the meekness of God is weaving its way deep into his heart, knowing his previous background. Moses' incredible humility and meekness is unfortunately bookended by his reckless impetuousness. The work of sanctification truly is the work of a lifetime. And you and I both know well that it's those deep-rooted character flaws that are the most determined not to be weeded out. In the 20th chapter of Numbers, God gives Moses specific instruction when it comes to drawing water from the rock. Moses, speak to it. Speak to the rock before their eyes. I want them to see what kind of God I am. I'm not one that needs to be sacrificed to or requires mutilation or offerings. Show them that whatever they need, they need only to ask to speak to me. But Moses is frustrated. There's tension in the camp and there's drama. Rebels, Moses cries out. Must we fetch you this water out of this rock? And then in the 11th verse, he strikes the rock twice. Now, the water still comes out, and the people's thirst is still quenched, but God is seriously displeased, to say the least. The meekest man in the earth, when he lets go of his hold on his help, his strength, his savior, is no different than the rest of us. Weak, sorrowful, and broken. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to why they did that. We are living in a time of crisis. Not the crisis you might be thinking of. No, not COVID, not terrorism, not corrupt governments, even though all of those things exist. Far worse, actually. We're living in a time where young people, teenagers full of passion, energy, and life, no longer see God as a priority. And that's where Weimar Academy comes in. At Weimar Academy, we strive to apply the great educational blueprint to everything that we do to teach our young people, your young people, that God is love and that His love can transform their hearts. 
It's a place of learning, a place of changing, and mostly a place of growing. Here our students learn of Jesus in every class, whether it be Bible, mathematics, or agriculture. They learn to work, they learn to play. Most importantly, they learn how to live abundantly. If you want to witness education done right, or you have or know a child that would benefit from such an experience, then go online at www.wemaracademy.org and come and visit us here at our school. I hope to see you soon. For nearly two decades, AFCO, the amazing fact center of evangelism, has been helping people from all backgrounds learn the practical skills about how to seek and save the lost. And now, it's getting even better. Amazing Facts is taking our comprehensive three-month training program to the next level at our recently constructed Word Center facilities. This new in-depth outreach training program distills the very best of more than 50 years of Amazing Facts evangelism expertise into a dynamic educational experience. This special training program presented in partnership with Weimar Institute will equip you to become a better soul winner, Bible worker, missionary, health evangelist, and all-round disciple. Also, AFCO's expert staff is gonna help you put your new training into practical use by doing an overseas mission trip where you will conduct your own two-week evangelistic seminar. You'll gain real-life experience while winning souls to Christ. AFCO is all about learning while you're doing. While training at AFCO, you'll learn how to be a better public speaker, how to lead small groups, and how to utilize the latest technology to dynamically present Bible truth. You will learn how to confidently share your faith with others anytime, anywhere, while at the same time developing a vibrant personal devotional life. You can even earn college credits during this session. So if you desire to be an effective soul winner and to develop lifelong friendships with like-minded people, then contact AFCO now because there's going to be limited space for this life-changing program. Our next AFCO on location training will start August 19 through November 20th, 2021. For more information, please go to afco.org. That's A-F-C-O-E dot O-R-G. Yes, Moses is meek. Yes, he's humble. Yes, he is probably the most incredible man outside of Christ to have ever graced this earth with his presence. But unfortunately for all of us, that's just not enough. Humility is not enough. Meekness is not enough. Miracles are not enough. The requirement upon us all, you, me, and Moses, is connection connection to the living God. Outside of that, we're all just dust. It looks like this, this meekness, this, this willingness and ability to let God's will be done rather than my own, etc. This meekness of God is somehow through this apparent issue, this trial here, it left Moses for a moment. Mm. And I think this speaks volumes, man, because yeah. it left Moses for a moment and Moses does something very contrary to the smiting of the speaking of the rock and he smites it instead. Mm. 
And now God gives this very, very, what we would call severe judgment. Yeah. Where God says, okay, because of this, you're not going to do it. We know that the meekness somewhat left Moses because we see in verse 10, he says, must we fetch? Right. So he's starting to put himself on the level of what God is doing. Exactly. Because it was God the last time that they dealt with the rock water scenario. Mm -hmm. God made it very clear, strike the rock and he's going to make the water come out. Right. There's no way you and I could do that. Yeah. And Moses couldn't do it either. But now he's saying we. So for some reason, it's now moving away from what God can do. And Moses is looking at what he and his brother can do or he and his team could do. And so as a result of this, now we see ourselves in a situation where as a result of losing that meekness, mm. and I think that this is a really important point because the Bible helps us understand about moments, what right. can happen in a moment, yes. right? You think about Joseph and Mary, they took their eyes off of Jesus for a moment. It took three days to find mm -hmm. him. Moses apparently takes his eyes off of his trust in God because that's why God told him, because you didn't believe me. Yeah. So you believed in yourself, but not me. In that moment, sadly, we find that now there's a very severe consequence. And that's a warning to all of us, mm. you know, is it's in those moments. And this is why when you hear people say, you know, remain connected to Christ moment by moment. It's not so much a New Year's resolution, mm. but it's a moment by moment resolution. Wow. We can see why that principle is so powerful here, because in that moment, here it is. Moses, unfortunately, loses out on the blessing of carrying them over into the Canaan land. And I love how how true to life the scriptures are. Yeah. Because like this is God's guy. Yep. You know, when you look through the scriptures, yeah, we've, we've got Adam momentarily. We've mm -hmm. got Noah for a bit. And then we've got Abraham and his... Well, we get to Moses. God's like, oh, we're just going to go into this guy's life. Oh, yeah. You know, this is, this, is, this is the guy that is closest to God. A friend, God mm -hmm. calls him. Absolutely. And it could... It would be within reason for God to just say, so yes, that happened. And yes, but we're not going to write that down. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't need to know that about you. We need to keep this, yeah. this image that you are kind of my representative on earth. Yeah. But it's recorded for the purpose of the fact that, that we, we don't see these characters as being inhuman. Right. Or so far detached from our struggles that we can no longer relate. But That's right. we look at Moses and we're like, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get that after so long mm -hmm. with these same people and all they ever do is complain. Yeah. That the time comes, not that we're excusing it, yeah. but I, I understand it because yeah. it doesn't take 40 years for me to make the mistake. Right, right. It takes <laughs> <laughs> not 40 years. Right. You know, um, but, but to catch this glimpse of his humanity, mm -hmm. um, for me, it's... It's reassuring that given that God still goes on to use him, um, just how good God is. That's right. Where sin abounds, mm. grace does much more abound. Right. And just because God disciplines, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love anymore yes. or, you know, he doesn't care about you mm -hmm. anymore. But there are times that God disciplines. Obviously, being a father of four children, I understand this very well, yeah. that sometimes you will have to discipline your children. Uh -huh. Maybe a privilege will be removed, mm. but that doesn't change your love for them. Right. You know, and this is a very important thing to understand in this story. God is not saying, because you didn't believe me, I don't love you anymore. Mm. Because you didn't believe me, you're going to hell. Right. That's not what God is saying. Yeah. He's just simply saying this privilege that you were going to have of ushering them into the Canaan land. Mm. God says, I'm going to have to let that now pass. And I think it's important too, to understand a little bit of why God yeah. was yeah, saying yeah. this, you know, let's put it this way. 
The Old Testament is filled, especially the book of Exodus and Leviticus, they're filled with symbols and types, Mm -hmm. you know, and these types have an anti-type. You know, when I think about a type, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, a symbol. When I think of an anti-type, I'm thinking reality. Right. You know, sunlight shines on my body. It puts a type on the ground. That type is the shadow. The shadow is a reflection of reality, which is my body. And in this story, even of the rock and speaking or smiting it, it was supposed to be typological. It Mm -hmm. was supposed to teach something. What was it supposed to teach? God was given the picture of the gospel. Mm -hmm. One minute, he says, Moses, strike the rock. Right. We know, according to 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, the rock was Christ. Yes. So the rock is representative of what Jesus is going to go mm-hmm. through. So when God told Moses, strike the rock, that was in perfect harmony with the gospel yeah. because Jesus must be smitten. Yes. But after Jesus was smitten on the cross and when he ascends into heaven, now we don't strike him anymore. We now speak. we just speak to him. Yeah. So that's why God is saying in, in Numbers 20, he says, now speak to the rock. So when Moses struck the rock, it really thwarted the whole picture of what the gospel was supposed Mm -hmm. to communicate. And so God now has to allow a disciplinary action. Mm -hmm. And Moses was not very happy about this disciplinary action because we read in Numbers, I'm sorry, in Deuteronomy 3, we see that Moses' response to God on this. He hears what God says. Mm -hmm. He understands what God says. But then check this out. I thought that this was deep. And this is where it's evident that the meekness of Moses left him for a moment. Mm. But thank the Lord, evidently it came back. Right. Because it says here in Deuteronomy chapter 3, and I'm just going ahead and looking at verse uh, 25, and here's what Moses is saying to God. He says, I pray thee, let me go over and see mm. the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. And then it says in verse 26, but the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes. And would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. Mm. Get thee up into the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward, and behold it with your eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. Mm. So it's kind of like, Daddy, please, you know, almost like a child, like, Daddy, please, I know you, you gave me this judgment, this disciplinary action. May I please go over right. any, can you forgive me and let me go in? I've learned the lesson. I've now. learned the yeah. lesson. And here it is. God says, no, and don't ask me about it again. Mm. You'll be able to see it, but you're not going to go into right. it. Right. And what I see is, number one, God maintaining, you know, his His position, which I think is wonderful for mm-hmm. parental lessons. Yes. But what I also am grateful for is Moses' meekness evidently returning because you don't see him begging anymore after right. that. He yes. clearly understands what God has said. He accepts and he takes ownership of, you know what? I did do this. God has spoken. He said, don't come back to him again. I'm not going to come back to him again. And I think that when 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 we look at the fact that he is able to receive that ultimate judgment yeah. and just take it on the chin sure. and say, you know better than I, yeah, and 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 go along with it. When I when I look back to to that act, you see the same kind of impetuousness that came out when he took out the Egyptian. Sure. Which tells me that it's a testament mm-hmm. to the actual meekness that he had. That's right. That it's clear forty years later that that thing still lives. That old man is still there. That's right. But he's been so connected to God mm-hmm. that he's been able to keep it under wraps for forty years. Oh yeah. You know. And 
it's it's not like he no longer was was tempted to just blow up at these people mm-hmm. he trusted in god to keep him in a position whereby he could actually lead them as a genuine representative of who god is mm-hmm. and so to then be in a situation where god is still telling him i don't want to hear about this again my word is is sure you're not going in mm-hmm. that's again for me that's the perfect opportunity for Moses to just hit something else, you <laughs> yeah. know, and say, no, this is not fair. Like I've right. given up my whole life for this, just yeah. just to see that land. Mm-hmm. But he's like, just are your ways, oh Lord. Yeah. And, yeah. and heads out. That's right. And it's just like, I mean, Psalms 145, 17, all the Lord's ways mm-hmm. are righteous. Yeah. Moses was able to understand, Lord, I've appealed. Mm-hmm. But you've you've clearly shown the answer to my appeal. Yeah. And he says, and your ways are always right. Yep. So as much as it's not the answer I wanted, I accept it. Yeah. You know, he has this humble position before God. And again, this is why I believe Numbers 12 and verse 3 speaks about Moses being the very meek, being very meek, this meekest man on earth. Mm. You know, and that's deep in and of itself because right. we know Moses to be the author of the book of Numbers. <laughs> right. Yeah. How do you write down, you know, like the Spirit of God is telling you, write down that you are exceedingly meek and the meekest person on earth. It's like, yep. I don't even understand how he did right. that successfully, but that's a mystery we're going to have to ask God about when right, we get yeah. to heaven. But nevertheless, it, it's, it's so clear that he was humble, he was meek, and he was willing to accept God's judgment, even though it was not reversed, mm. and demonstrate that my love towards you, my devotion to you, was not contingent upon your blessings. Right. You know, Even wow. in the midst of you not blessing me to still go in, I am still loving you, I'm still yeah. before you, faithful, et cetera, et cetera. Would to God that we could be like this. Right. If God had said to us, by the way, at the end, you're not going anywhere good, but I still want you to be faithful until the end. Yeah. How many of us would just be like, well, if there's no reward, what am I doing here? Exactly. But Moses is like, yeah, take it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be as faithful to you now as if you had promised me that I was going in. That's what I'm saying. And, and to me, that's deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just so deep because that is a lot of our humanity, isn't it? Right. To, oh, so you're not going to give it to me? Like, no matter, okay, then forget it. Why am I going through all of this? It's like, and God's like, ah, so you came to me only for the fishes and the loaves. And that is something God often allows us to see about our heart. Mm -hmm. By the way, speaking of that, I think that one of the, just going through this whole storyline, I really love how this shows the authenticity of the Bible. Mm -hmm. It shows that God is not trying to always give good pictures of his servants. He has no problem exposing the weaknesses mm-hmm. of his servants, which speaks to authenticity. Right. Because often in you know cult behavior, you only show the cult figures or the cult leaders as good and mm-hmm. you know basically infallible. Like they right. don't even make mistakes. Yeah. God is willing to trust us to let us see both the successes and the failures of mm-hmm. his people so that we can understand the importance of always relying on him. Right. I, I used to do martial arts back in the days. And I did it hard. Mm-hmm. And I remember... I got so fast with like my kicks that it would be a bad day when I would go to a tournament. If I could get you to take your eyes off of me just for a second, that's mm. all I needed. Mm. And when you look back at me, my my heel was in your head and you were hitting wow. the canvas. And so it reminded me if if I can condition my mind to watch you take your eyes off of me for a moment and mm. I could literally take you down with a move. And again, I'm not an advocate of martial arts today. I want to be clear on that. But back in those days, that's where I was. But it does help me to see Satan is a far sharper, keen Mm. adversary than I would have been to my opponent. And how much the more he looks for us to take our eyes off of God for a Mm. moment so he can throw his kick 
into our heads, you know, spiritually speaking. And before you know, we're flat on the canvas. Right. And this is, again, what we're seeing here is in that moment that Moses just kind of lost that view on God. The devil took full advantage of that mm. and was able to take him down. And God wants us to read that to say your goal is not even to be like Moses. Mm, yeah. You know, in the, in the that's midst it. of all of this, the goal is not even so much to be like Moses. The only thing you want to be like Moses is when you see Christ in him. Right. The same thing goes for Jeremiah. The same thing goes for David. It goes for anybody in the Bible. The only way that they are a good light is when the light of life, which is Jesus, is being reflected through them. These great biblical figures, the patriarchs, the prophets, and the kings, they were only ever meant to be types of Christ. They were to show the human in us that we can be used by God, but they serve as a reminder that the human is not God. Ultimately, we were only ever meant to look to one man. Now the Jews, they made that man Abraham, and then Moses, and then David. And we have made that man many men. But the only one who has ever been worth of emulation was the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And here it is that Moses is now at a place that he has to bid farewell to his people. You know, I mean, he's at a place now where he's like, man, you know, he knows clearly what, why he's not going, but he has accepted that. There's no bitterness that's evident in the scriptures yeah. on it. And he's with his friend Joshua and he gives Joshua these final instructions of how to lead the people. And um, I would imagine, you know, don't don't fall like I did, yeah. you know, and then. Joshua and Moses, and I can only imagine the emotion mm. that's involved in that moment yeah. where Moses is watching his friend Joshua walk away. And now Moses is there by himself, fully accepting the disciplinary action of God, trusting God in that very moment, which again speaks to his incredible humility. Yeah. No complaining, no bitterness, nothing. No sighing. Yeah, no sigh. He just accepts it. And then he goes to sleep. Mm. He goes to sleep and he dies. And then I'm thinking, you know, to myself, oh, the goodness of God, mm. because Moses is dead now. Yeah. And it's and, you know, some of us would think that God just kind of moves on like, all right, all right, Joshua. Now, you know, remember and yeah, your turn. And it's like, no, 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 no. We are told in the book of Jude that a time came where Christ is right there over the body of Moses. Mm. And Satan shows up to try to resist him because if there's one thing that Jesus says, I am, is the resurrection. John mm -hmm. eleven twenty five. 25. I am the resurrection and the life. And so Jesus is coming to Moses' body as just that. He's coming as the resurrector. Mm -hmm. And Jesus comes and he says to Moses, get up. Mm -hmm. And Moses wakes up probably like, what's going on? Because, you know, when you're dead, you're unconscious. So yeah. he, he gets up and he's beholding the very one who was guiding him all along. And God is letting Moses know, son, I didn't let you into the type, but I'm here to let you now into the anti-type. Mm. I'm going to bring you into the reality. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews 6 and verse 10, it says God is not unrighteous that he would forget the labors of his ministers. Amen. God did not forget what Moses did. Moses was excited about going into a temporal Canaan. Mm. And while God was saying, no, you can't go there. God knew all along, 
you can't go there because I'm going to just take you to the real one. Right. You know, it's like he had this little gift behind mm, the disciplinary yeah. action. Wow. And I mean, that just blows my mind to the incredible goodness, love, mercy, and grace of God. Mm. And he's right there saying, Moses, I'm going to bring you in to the heavenly Canaan, wow. the real deal. And there it is that Moses was able to get an even greater reward right. than what he was hoping to get. He just wanted to go into the temporal Canaan. Right. God's like, no, nah, I'm going to give you the real picture. And it, it's it's better to not go in to the temporal Canaan. That's right. <laughs> like, why not just go straight to the heavenly? Like, I'm telling you. what that thing was meant to represent. Man. So it, it, really, it really is just testament to the fact that God's ways are so much higher than us. It, it really is. And when we think that we've missed out on something, yep. we just need to say, look, God is good. Yep. I know that his love for me has not changed unto this day, regardless of of what my record may be. Mm-hmm. And I'm my life is in his hands. Yes. You know, it that is. needs to be our testimony. Wherever he's gonna take it, whatever he's gonna do, we need to trust that God knows what's best and he's gonna give us what we need. Growing up in the world, as I said, you know, no worship in my home, none of these mm-hmm. things. Um, growing up, inner city lifestyle, you know, and then my family eventually moved into the suburb, little suburb area. And I remember growing up not very educated, mm-hmm. you know, played with school, didn't take it seriously. But I wanted to become a dancer. I wanted to become a famous dancer and mm-hmm. choreographer. I watched all the music videos. I was like, man, I want to be in those videos. I was a big lover of hip hop. And so um, here it is that the time came that I found out about auditions and opportunities to be in these music videos with the hip hop stars that I love to watch. And I, I went to the auditions Mm. and before you know it, I got it, you know, I got, I won, I started going on tour. I started doing music videos and literally in my mind, I I was told by others that I became a dancing celebrity and a choreographer in the entertainment industry. So in my mind, it's like I've been elevated. I'm yeah, at this high place. It. Yeah, I made it. I'm making I'm making more money than I knew what to do with. I'm on television. I have celebrities as my friends and so on. And in all of that lifestyle, in that height, mm. God calls me. Wow. God all of a sudden calls me. It was through the death of my nephew. And uh, I went to the funeral and God called me. Mm. And I responded to that call by giving my heart to Jesus for the first time in my life. And in doing that, I had to go from a high position to a lower position. Now I'm just going to a church and I'm just being involved in the services and so on. And before you know it, they liked, I guess, what they saw in me, that they started giving me these little positions of, you know, leadership and, you know, a youth leader or this and eventually an elder and, you know, I thought to myself, I said, you know, I was in a high position in the world. God called me. And then I went to what I thought was a lower position. You know, it really wasn't a lower position. The same way Moses being the the shepherd to those sheep, it wasn't really a lower position. Mm -hmm. Society says that, but not so in the eyes of God. God was giving him the most grandest preparation to do an incredible work. But here it is. I'm thinking I'm in a lower position now. And now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm learning the Bible, letting people teach me. And I now am teaching others and sharing with others. And before you know it, I started to have somewhat of a leadership mm. position, similar to Moses, not on as grand a scale. Sure. But nevertheless, I'm responsible for souls now. Mm. And before you know it, the, the, the pride wants to come back right, to say, yep. hey, here's your new stage. Mm. You know, now you got people that want to listen to instead of them wanting to watch your dance steps. Now they want to listen to you teach. They want to listen to you preach. 
And that voice is always there. Yeah, it is. And you got to constantly, daily shun that voice. But what ends up happening is over the years, I'm doing ministry. I'm privileged to meet my wife through a Bible study. We got married. We have children. And we started doing a family ministry. We're traveling the world. And the list goes on. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of all of this leadership and influencing others, mm-hmm. here it is that in 2016, I found out that my heart valve was bad. And it came from a childhood sickness that I had, rheumatic fever. And when I found out that my heart valve was bad and the doctor said, yes, there's a possibility that you could die. And, you know, it's not likely, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. And then they said, I have to go through open heart surgery. And yes, you wow. could die on that table. You know, I became so livid with God and accusatory. How could you let this happen to me after I've done so much for you? Mm. After I've done this and done that. And for me, that was my must we fetch water moment. You know, that was me, you know, now looking at all of what God enabled me to do, but now I'm taking credit for it. Mm. And then here it is that God was allowing me to see, son, that was always in your heart. It was always there. And so even though you were busy serving me, ministering to me, that spirit of self-exaltation was there. Mm. And so God allowed me to go through a very humbling experience. I went through depression, anxiety. I literally felt like I lost my mind. I wasn't in my right mind. And coming out of that, I had to learn God all over again. I had to take time to once again say, who is Jesus? Mm. What is the Bible? Why do I believe what I believe? And as I walked myself through these steps, thank the Lord, the Lord walked with me and even ahead of me in all of this. Eventually, he started to reintroduce me to the meekness and the lowliness of Jesus Mm. to help better understand his character. And while today, you know, I could never say, and now I'm meek, (laughs) you know, it's like the day I said that I just forfeited it. But what I can say is that I better understand it. I have a higher appreciation for it. And even in the midst of God allowing me to go down for a period of time, I know that in his perfect timing, He's raising me back up to wherever it is he wants me. And I'm literally like, Lord, wherever you want me to be is where I shall be. And I also claim Hebrews 6 and verse 10, that God is not unrighteous, that he forgets the labors of his ministers. And so God has shined so much additional grace on me that even though, you know, I'm not resurrected yet because I'm still alive. But, you know, I have a hope that by the grace of God, what God did for Moses is what God will do for me. You know, whether I'm resurrected, translated, whatever he chooses, but it's just to know that the same God that Moses served is the same God I serve. And that God is with me and he's continually working with me and through me that his name may be glorified and that his people may be edified. I'm just awed by that. And I'm very, very appreciative of his love towards me. And so I'm just glad to walk and bask a little bit in this love. that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or harken back to a previous episode, you can find us at whythedidthat.org. We would love it if you could subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could go as far as leaving a review, that would be amazing. You can follow us on all your favorite social media accounts, Facebook or Instagram at whythedidthat.org. And of course, YouTube, where you can actually watch this episode as well as listen to it. So make sure to check that out too. Finally, if you would like to support this podcast and keep it running, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash WTDT. 
This show was produced by me, actually, because Paul Keefe was on holiday. Hope he had a good time up in Massachusetts. Thankfully, I still had good old Jonathan J.J. Jensen to help edit the video. And a special thank you to everyone else on the Why They Did That team. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. <laughs>